Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. You're tuned in for another episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by NFL Draft analysts Ryan Roberts and Alex Gilstrap. Today, week six of college football is what we are going to be recapping. And most notably, it needs to be talked more about, guys, this Georgia defense and how talented they are. Past game against Tennessee, they only allowed negative one rushing yards. A lot of that came from the sack production they were able to get against Tennessee. There are a lot of talented dudes. And Alex, I know that you're a Georgia fan. What do you think is the big reason why that they are so dominant right now and they're carrying this Georgia team to such success? Yeah, well, obviously they needed to step up. We, we lost a lot on the offensive side of the football. And say what you want about Jake Fromm, but he's been the leader at the helm of that offense and it's been worked around for, for many years now. So we have Stetson Bennett, the fourth, uh, as our starting quarterback. So they definitely had to step up. But on the defensive side of the football, Kirby Smart did a really good job retaining talent. The only guy the only guy that really contributed on the defense that's gone from last year's team is J.R. Reed, the safety. And obviously LeCount steps into that role and, and feels it probably better. Um, so, you know, Richard LeCount had a chance to go to the NFL. He decided to come back. Monty Rice was looked at as probably a day two pick at the linebacker position who's been phenomenal for us this year. He came back. So, in the, you know, these big recruiting classes that, that are starting to get older, you know, you have Nolan Smith, who no one really talks about right now as a rich or as a true sophomore edge rusher, one of the best uh, talents in the class when he came out. Aziz Ojolari is another one that we talked about preseason that is just continuing to get better. And he put up sack production this week. And then obviously the cornerbacks, you know, we, we talk about the cornerback rooms. Who's the real CB1 from Georgia's at Eric Stokes, who had another interception this week for his second of the year. Uh, Tyson Campbell's been thrown around as the best guys. I mean, there's just talent at every single level. And, and when you return 10 out of 11 starters and just about everyone that contributes to that rotational defense, I mean, they've, they're just dominating. And I know, obviously, losing J.R. Reed, you lose a lot of leadership qualities. But, I mean, he went undrafted. So it wasn't like he was the greatest football player of all time. He returned 10 of 11. And, I mean, Alex is a, Alex is a Georgia fan. But I, I'd be willing to say here that I was much more of a fan of these Georgia defenders going into this year, if I do say so myself. Yeah, you were. You were. I'll give it to you. You were. You were, In our rankings, you had them notably higher. Richard LeCount, uh, Eric Stokes, you had a bunch of them. And what did I say, Alex? The moment that Eric Stokes got an interception or two, people start tweeting about him, right? We saw Jordan yep. Reed, a couple other, you know, na- uh, you know, notable draft analysts starting to post. Oh, Eric Stokes is pretty darn good. Yes, you're you're correct. He is very good. His tape was good last year. He just didn't pull down an interception, so nobody talked about him. He was very good last year. One of my pleasant surprises of the preseason, absolutely, I would say. 
Tyson Campbell, I'm not there with him yet, but I am there with the comp that I saw for him on Saturday. Somebody compared him to Marlon Humphrey for the mm-hmm. Ravens. And if you watch Marlon Humphrey at Alabama, he was all tools and he didn't really have the production that backed up what type of player that he is now. So we're working in the back end there with those two guys, along with Richard LeCount, who I think is one of the most underrated football players in college football. I really think he is a early second round option on the back end safety, maybe sneaking into the end of the first, just because he's just so consistent. You always know where Richard LeCount is. He just seems like he's always in proper position, runs the alley like a bat out of hell. He's the type of guy that's that enforcer on the back end who is really physical in the run game. Moving up, Monty Rice wasn't as big on Monty Rice, but hey, man, like he's an undersized, athletic, run-and-chase linebacker, which the NFL is going to value very high. So Monty Rice, I'm sure, is very firmly in the conversation for somewhere on day two. And then though, these def- uh, these outside linebackers, I should say, in this 3-4 system, because I'm not even going to count Jordan Davis because I haven't really seen too much of him, the nose guard yet. But Aziz Ojulari looks very good. And then, man, who is Adam, Adam. Anderson? <laughs> who is Adam Anderson? I can't yeah. believe who this dude is. Five, I'm watching well, him. Well, he, yeah, his his thing was he's a five-star, but he's super undersized coming, coming into college, and it took him a long time to really put up weight. But it looks like his weight's where it needs to be. And that, I mean, he's always had that explosiveness. That's what garnered the five star. I mean, you see him get off the ball, he's first one there. And yeah. so that bend, that athleticism, it's really intriguing. I mean, I think he's a junior. So, I mean, he's a draft eligible guy, but I don't think he comes out this year. I think because this is going to be the first year he's putting up consistent tape, I think he, I think he needs to come back. And, and, but he looks fun. And, and you might, and you might have Ojolari back next year too, because he's only a redshirt sophomore, right? So if we're talking maybe 2022 draft with these defensive, I mean these outside linebackers, you call them defensive ends because these dudes are pass rushers. They're trying to get after the quarterback all the time. But Adam Anderson at six foot five, there was one rep against Cade Mays where he actually had his hand in the ground, and I actually looked up to see if this guy had a track background because his first step, his explosive out of the blocks, out of his stance was ridiculous strip sack i was like dude who is this guy who is i mean he firmly has a star next to his name for me uh, like I, I mean like you said alex maybe he's not a 2021 guy but six five with that type of get off those type of traits at the defensive end outside linebacker position is definitely something to keep an eye out for now on well another thing that we didn't mention talking about this georgia's defense when you're returning that much talent in an offseason the way this one was you get an advantage, you know. They already have that team chemistry. Uh, the system's all the same, so they they really came into this season with an advantage. Uh, they're really going to be tested this week. They got Alabama and that receiving core. Mac Jones has looked well. Uh, Najee Harris, obviously, we'll talk about later. So they're they're going to get tested for the first, truly the first time. I mean, Tennessee's a solid offense. South Carolina's got some players, but but Alabama, this is this is going to really show how good this defense is. That'll be the game to watch this upcoming weekend. As you said, you have to see the secondary face off against a really talented Alabama receiving group. A number of guys are top quality prospects at the receiver position. Hopefully Georgia's offense with Stetson Bennett, of all people, leading it is able to at least get some points on the board. Them without Jake Fromm, Andrew Thomas, and DeAndre Swift is a big hit for them not having those players. So they're going to need to make that transition come to play against Alabama Before we get into talking about the stock up and stock down as we typically do, I want to share a message from our sponsors, Bet Online. The wait is finally over. We are in the middle of the football season. Things might be a little bit bumpy with COVID tests, but everything is moving 
relatively smoothly, depending on at what level. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to player, team, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. There's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all of the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So Alex, you managed to, yet again, like every single week, we have our show notes where we put in, Ryan and Alex each get one guy for stock up, and... Alex decides to push the, the, the bill a little bit further today as he usually goes with two guys in one slot and then one in the other. Today, Alex has four guys in two slots. You want to bring up the fact that this RB1 race is starting to, to really heat up with Travis Etienne having a huge game against Miami this past Saturday and then Najee Harris performing very well when they played Ole Miss. Yeah, I'm sorry. I have to cheat the system a little bit every once in a while. But these two running backs, I mean, they're showing they are complete three down guys at the next level. There were there were some worries with Travis Etienne coming into the season uh, about his pass catching ability and third down ability. And he has shown that he that's fine. Checks the box and uh, and his contact balance has been put on display two weeks in a row. Now he's had highlight real plays where he's just spinning off tackles left and right. And, and Travis Etienne for me is still going to be cemented as an RB1 guy because of the upside, the, the splash plays that he can have relative to Najee Harris. But we saw this year Clyde Edwards Hilaire was the first running back taken and out of the top four or five running backs. He's the least likely to hit that splash play for you. He was just a bruiser every down. He he caught the uh, caught the ball well out of the backfield. He's just Mr. Consistent. And that's what Najee Harris is. And he has been for years. Uh, he's kind of built like Derrick Henry, but he can catch the ball out of the backfield. I'm a really big fan. Obviously had nine yards of carry on 23 carries, over 200 yards rushing, and five touchdowns this past week, and that's just what he's been doing all year long. These two running backs are head and shoulders the best options for this class, in my opinion. And and they're both proven why, week in and week out. They're both having very impressive performances. I, I was expecting – um, this to be the case, and it has been that these two guys are just dominating it, like I said, week in and week out, no matter who they're playing. So uh, I think both of these guys could push for round one conversation, especially ETN um, with his uh, – golly, you, the speed speaks for itself. We've talked about the speed for years, but this man breaks tackles with the best of them, and, and he's catching the ball out of the backfield. He's doing exactly what people were worried about last year and, and years prior – uh, God, this is th- these two guys are just fun for me. I have them a lot closer than I know Ryan does. Uh, Ryan's not as big of a fan of Najee Harris. They were my RB one, RB two coming into the season, and I think they've just separated. Where where are you at with them, Ryan? I, I mean, I, I think it's such a it's such an interesting conversation because usually with a with a I don't want to say skill set with a body type that you see of Najee Harris, usually those guys aren't contributors in the passing game. But Najee Harris is good in the passing game. He has soft hands. He's run a variety of routes. We have seen Travis Etienne over the last couple of years. He's evolved into more of a pass catcher. He's never going to be a guy that I'm going to trust running any type of route tree. He's going to be a guy that I just want to manufacture some space, get him in there, and let him go. For me, it's still Etienne. I don't know if I would say the gap is closing for me, but I would say that Najee Harris is moving up that running back ranking for me 
more to a clear potential running back two for me. So I think that I'm always going to value the type of player ETN is just because of the ability to win in space. I think that that always for me is going to be the separator for those two players. It's it's why I value him so high. And man, if, if uh, NFL scouts had concerns about his about his forty time, right? That four five five that uh, projected for <laughs> Travis Etienne. I think that we're <laughs> we're alleviating some of that uh, some of those concerns with that. You know, he gets to the sideline and he eliminates angles. How do you know if somebody's fast? They eliminate angles. You see defenders with good angles on them, and it does not matter. Travis Etienne has the goods for me. He's still running back one, but I definitely am and fully into the conversation that Najee Harris needs to be talked about more because of the consistency that he has. And last thing I'll say is we're not going to be having any stock up players on Ole Miss's defense probably this season, but that's just a little bit of context, but Najee Harris was super impressive. Anytime you have five touchdowns in a game, you need to be talked about. So Ryan, your next stock up player is somebody that we've already brought up and talked about a player that transferred from Notre Dame and is stepping into the spotlight. Phil Jerkovic, again, playing against Pitt with the close victory over them, 31-30. to He threw for 358 yards, three touchdowns, a not-so-hot 54% completion percentage, but still that stat line is fantastic for a quarterback that has very limited number of starts. Yeah, so I, I was on a morning show on Saturday morning with uh, the NFL draft, crew, uh, draft Bible crew, and I, I put it out there that I think that Boston College is going to upset a very talented pit team, defensively especially with Patrick Jones and Paris Ford and all those dudes. And I said that Phil Dracovic was going to kind of erupt onto the national scene a little bit. And while you're right, Joe, there is some context, right? Like the completion percentage isn't great. 350 yards, those touchdowns in a nice you know, comfort behind victory over uh, Pittsburgh there, I think is very notable. And, and, and in this environment right now where everyone is clamoring to who they think is going to be quarterback for, we've heard Kyle Trask. Some people are throwing Matt Corral in there. Some guys are throwing in Zach Wilson from BYU. There's so many guys that people are saying, that's the guy, that's the guy, that's the guy. I'm not going to say Jerkovic's going to be in the 2021 class because he's only a redshirt sophomore in his first year as a starting quarterback. So I'm not going to quite go there. But I will say this, if he continues his projection, uh, his progression, I should say, and he is in the situation where he can potentially declare and he feels comfortable, I think he has a good shot to be my quarterback four, man. I, I Like, every tool is there. With all those guys, with the Kyle Trask of the world, lack of arm strength, Matt Corral, lack of size, you know, limited experience, just like a Phil Dracovic. With um, Zach Wilson, like, his 2019 film was not great. Uh, it, what is he? Is he this 2020 version that we're seeing? Is he able to maintain this level of play? I think Jerkovic just checks so many boxes that I think he's the cleanest projection for me. And if he continues this, I think he's a real player in the class. And if he's not, then that 2022 class where everyone's talking about Sam Howell, J, um, not JT Daniels, uh, Jane Daniels from Arizona State, Keaton Slovis from USC, I think he is in the conversation of that class for sure. No, I, I'm glad you're bringing him up because, like you said, perf- size, he's a clean projection. I love how you put that because you talk about Zach Wilson and it's a play style concern. You talk about Kyle Trask. There is some arm strength concerns, uh, whether he's able to stretch the field vertically. Phil Dracovic, man, he is big. What is he, 6'5", 225, something like that? Yep. And 
God, he can push. I mean, that's it, it, look, he had 54% completion percentage. That's what we're talking about. With 358 yards, he was able to push the ball downfield. He's able to attack every at all levels of the football field. I'm surprised you didn't bring up your boy Hunter Long, tight end. Uh, who's had a yeah he is he's had a couple good weeks here in a row so no this the the vault is an impressive victory obviously I haven't watched too much of this game uh, just because of the other games that were on but to you know a defense with as much talent is on the field there uh, against Pitt Paris for Patrick Jones the second like you mentioned NFL scouts were in attendance for this you know or were were tuned in for this one so uh, I I I bet you that uh, he caught some attention this weekend and he's going to continue like you said if he continues the progressions that he he's made thus far he's going to continue to climb up boards for people like you said i don't i don't know if uh i don't know if he's going to be in this class but next class next year's class is another great quarterback class it's looking like sam howell's been impressive keaton slovis we have yet to see this year but last year showed a lot Jaden daniels same thing uh, if he's in next year's class i mean we're going to have some fun conversations with the quarterback class again next year now alex you have as I've already alluded to, uh, another pairing here, Matt Corral and Elijah Moore from Ole Miss. Corral going for a very productive 365 yards and two touchdowns against a strong Alabama defense, 75% completion percentage. Conversely, his top target, Elijah Moore, 143 receiving yards on 11 receptions. So these are two offensive players that looked very, very good against a pretty dominant Alabama and talented Alabama defense. What are some of the things you saw from them? Well, you know, I, we talked about we talked about Matt Corral having a rough projection because of size. That was that was what uh, Ryan said, and I definitely agree. But he's only a redshirt sophomore, so this is another quarterback that we're talking about. I don't know if he's going to be in this class, especially with how much is there in that middle of the pack area. We keep talking. I mean, we just named four guys off the top of our head. That's going to fight for that QB four spot. Uh, but 21 to 28 against an Alabama defense, 365 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He just had a really clean game. His arm is super live. Why he was one of the highest rated recruits uh, coming out the year that he did. Um, so, and he, and he's strung together a couple of good games. Now he had a good game against Florida uh, was that last week or the week before? And and now here against Alabama, Alabama's defense might just not be as good as it usually is. I think that's where I'm beginning to to lean. I just don't think they they have the consistency that they do year in and year out, uh, which makes me feel good as a Georgia fan playing them next week with Stetson Bennett at the helm. But no, and and then Elijah Moore, he's someone that we we talked about a little bit coming into the season. He had some buzz around his name, uh, and he's the one that infamously after walking off against or not walking off because it ended up hurting him on the uh kickoff but after scoring the go-ahead touchdown late in the game against the against mississippi state last week of the season decided to uh illustrate himself as a dog peeing on a fire hydrant to get a 15-yard <laughs> penalty uh where mississippi state ultimately scored on a walk-off won the game so um but no elijah moore 11 receptions 143 yards he's he's his go-to target there's also a senior receiver I don't know how to pronounce his name. Yaboa, Kenny Yaboa. He, you know, he had the two touchdowns, the two passing touchdowns that uh, Temple transfer. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard, I saw the name over the summer, um, but yeah. So I mean, it looks like Ole Miss has weapons. Ryan made a joke and said, "I don't think we're going to highlight any Ole Miss defenders this year." But that offense is looking pretty impressive. A couple weeks in a row uh, against some good SEC teams. So I'm just looking to see Matt Corral continue to uh, build off of this performance, and of course his his two big targets in Elijah Moore and this Kenny Yaboa. 
Yeah, and, you know, nice shout-out there to, to Kenny, who is kind of plays tight end, wide receiver hybrid. He's got some traits there. Lane Kiffin, if Lane Kiffin can do anything, he can he can get some offensive points on the, on the board for sure. So I, I think that was the best for that Ole Miss offense that was really lacking in, in identity over the last couple years. You know, even with the weapons that they had with DK Metcalf and all those dudes at wide receiver, right, DeMarcus Lodge and, and A.J. Brown, like they still were never as good as they should have been. So it's good that they have an identity. Matt Corral, when he was coming out of high school at the Elite 11, he actually beat Trevor Lawrence and those dudes in the long toss. He threw like a 77-yard pass or something like that. So the dude's arm is live. He's got a great arm. It's all about consistency with him. I think he was a Florida um, he was. commit at one point, too. Uh, Florida commit was a USC commit, and then he eventually ended up there at Ole Miss. So uh, very interesting player. I'm a big fan. Elijah Moore, nice mention as well. He's one of those guys that I think is just such a clean projection. Like we talked about Daz Newsom and those types of guys in the preseason, those slot receivers. So he just wins in such an easy way that you say, like, is he ever going to be the number one receiver on the team? Probably not. But, hey, he can do that. He can be Jamison Crowder. Like, he can be that guy for us, and he can create some instant separation, and he can be that safety valve for a quarterback potentially. So, nice mention on Elijah Moore. And Matt Corral, he's a real player in the quarterback four. Another guy I'm not sure is going to be in the class, but if he is, man, like, that dude is going to throw the football at the combine at his pro day, and he is going to get some people very excited for sure. Now, to wrap up our stock down, again, we have another player who isn't necessarily draft eligible, but somebody who put themselves on the map. Jarrett Patterson, the center for Notre Dame, going up against Marvin Wilson, who is expected to be or was going into the season to be a top 15, top 20 pick in this class. Well, against Patterson, he only had one tackle, no hurries and also a missed tackle. So Patterson had a very, very good performance facing off against the big dog, Marvin Wilson. Yeah, and obviously we need, we need to give the whole interior offensive line for Notre Dame some credit there, right? Like it wasn't just Jared Patterson. It is the left guard, Aaron Banks. It is the right guard, Tommy Kramer, who you know gets some preseason pub as a guard prospect. I will tell you what, while I, again, he might not be a guy that's 2021 just because he's a redshirt sophomore. He's in his second year as a starter, for Notre Dame, I will tell you, because, hey, Creed Humphrey is a good football player. Absolutely. Creed Humphrey is a potential first-round selection at center. Absolutely. You know, guys know that I'm a fan of Josh Myers from Ohio State. We haven't seen him yet this season, obviously, with the Big Ten starting a little late here after getting everything started back up. Jared Patterson might be the most talented center in college football. He's a former left tackle recruit, six foot four and a half, six foot five, 300 pounds, he moves like a former offensive tackle. He is very, very athletic for the interior position. His thing was he had never played center until he got to Notre Dame. They move him there, starts as a redshirt freshman, has a really nice film. The thing is, though, like he just needs to get stronger. This year, he looks a lot stronger. So now we're combining that athletic profile with that strength. Probably not a 2021 guy because Notre Dame offensive linemen don't usually declare early like that as redshirt sophomores unless you're Quentin Nelson, who was the biggest freak of nature we have seen over the last few years. Uh, I don't think that he's going to be that guy. He's going to stay and graduate and probably more likely be in the 2022 class. But I will say if he's in this class, he's going to be drafted very early in my opinion. If he's in the 2022 class, 
He's probably a first-round pick, and he might be the top center on the board next year when we're talking about this for the 2022 NFL draft. Well, and it's not like this offensive line could have just double-teamed Marvin Wilson the whole day. There's other guys on that defensive line. Corey Durden, another one, notable player that's had some some buzz uh, preseason and early this year. But for this Notre Dame offense, on 42 rushing attempts to average 8.4 yards per carry against a, a front seven, that, you know, the team as a whole, Florida State's not an impressive uh, college football program, to say the least. Uh, they're kind of a laughing stock. However, they have some dudes on the front seven, and, and for you to average 8.4 yards per carry against anybody on that, many, you know, on that volume uh, is super impressive. They're all, they were getting pushed all day long against that defense, and, and they were just – putting them where they wanted them. So, no, this whole offensive line, like you said, needs to, needs to be uh, mentioned. Obviously, Notre Dame is known for pushing out offensive line talent to the next level. They probably push out more talent than anybody, uh, especially top-end talent. Liam Eichenberg is someone that's that's has a lot of fans as a, as a tackle there, and and he's going to be drafted highly. But, yeah, no, this this Notre Dame offensive line, they're, they're kind of uh, handicapped with the quarterback situation. Um but there's dudes everywhere. Don't, don't else. even don't even get into that. With, <laughs> That's a rabbit hole. Ryan doesn't want to go yeah, down. <laughs> with Ryan and I both here as Notre Dame fans, don't don't take us down that path. This this thirty minute episode will be two hours long. <laughs> so yeah, you're kind of handicapped, but man, they are doing what they can. They are doing what they can. There's talent everywhere else outside the quarterback position. Uh, so no, the offensive line has been super impressive. Jarrett Patterson, like you said, young guy that uh, definitely is going to be drafted highly whenever his time comes. So to wrap us up with our stock downs, KJ Costello snapping back to reality after everybody was shouting his name as a possible riser with his victory over LSU, his gaudy performance of 600 passing yards. Now we see the KJ Costello that we really know and also the Mississippi State offense that was actually there. Against Kentucky, they scored a whopping two points. Lost by a score of 24-2. to Costello, 36 for 55. That's just too many passing attempts. 232 yards. Not a single touchdown. Not to mention four interceptions. So right now, Costello not getting the job done. Not looking very good. Alex, why did you pick him as your stock down besides uh, the, the, the clear indication of his poor stats? I'm going to say something that is likely going to get Twitter fired up if it if it reaches. I hope it does. I hope it does as well. Because um, I want... I'm planting my flag here. This Mississippi State offense, both Mike Leach's system and KJ Costello are frauds. They had us. They had us thinking that this was the new wave that they could run the SEC with this offense that the SEC has never seen, and they did so against LSU, and that's where the buzz came from. But they played LSU week one, and in the week since, we've realized LSU's just not good defensively, uh, and that's that LSU defense without Derek Stingley. So you had a handicapped LSU defense who lost all the talent in the world. And, and yes, they are returning national. They're reigning national champions. And that defense is still relatively good, you know, rel, or is good relative to the uh, to the national landscape. But God, he has looked bad. This offense is not good. Uh, KJ Costello has had uh, seven interceptions. Is that the number, Ryan? Seven? seven? Seven the last two weeks. One touchdown, seven interceptions. You know who he's played? It's disgusting. Kentucky. We, we mentioned that. And then last week, Arkansas. 
And, and you know, we gave him the benefit of the doubt last week, not bringing him up by playing so bad. Seven interceptions against Arkansas and Kentucky. No touchdowns this week. Did he have a touchdown last week? I don't think he did. He had one. He was one, one touchdown, seven last two. That's right. That's right. So one touchdown to seven interception ratio in the last two games against two of the worst teams in the conference. The only team worse than them is Vanderbilt. And he has looked terrible. This offense has looked terrible. They haven't been able to push the ball at all. I am. I. I was not a. We talked about it after the week one game against LSU. We brought up KJ Costello because it had to be. He went crazy, over 600 yards passing, beating the reigning national champions. It, it definitely deserved mention. However, since then we've realized LSU is not the team we thought they were. And obviously, this Mississippi State's not the team we thought they were. This team is just not good. They're one of the worst teams in the SEC. They look flat out bad. And and I'm willing to be completely out on this offense. I don't care if this gets time stamped. And next week, they throw for another 600 yards. I'm going to plant my flag that there is nothing good coming from this offense. Kylan Hill is a good prospect. He couldn't get anything going in the run game. Uh, he, he was He was the premier wide receiver target for Costello because Costello could not push the ball downfield to save his life. So th- this team is just not good. This is not Mike Leach could have success in the SEC, but it's not going to be this year. And I, I think Kylan Hill had like 15 catches from like 70 yards or yeah. something. Like it, was, <laughs> it was the most abysmal like yard per catch, which obviously isn't his fault. It's just how the offense is designed there. Um, so we could have picked you could have picked the Eric King this year this week. You could have picked KJ Costello, a couple frauds in this senior quarterback class, to say the least. And I like I like the term fraud there. Costello, this is why you don't make a big you don't make a big declaration after one football game. This is why. This is why I'm always asking about context and I'm asking about waiting. I don't I don't adjust draft boards and I don't adjust big boards week to week. You wait until the end of the season when you have a full season of slate. You have the full evaluation process. Why are people shuffling things this early in the season? Because, yes, five touchdowns, two interceptions, 600 passing yards, all looked great. Now he's got six touchdown passes and nine interceptions on the season, seven interceptions in the last two weeks. I'm sorry to tell you, K.J. Costello is the same player that he has always been. He does not read the defense very well when he has to get off of his first read. He is terrible. When he has to get outside of structure, he is bad. I'm sorry that people really took so offense when I was like, hey, man. And I know Alex and I know Joe also, when we did our podcast afterwards, we're like, slow it down. Slow it down. Let's not make big declarations. This is why it's a stock up, stock down. This isn't a declaration podcast. We're not here to say, oh, he's quarterback four. We don't know that yet. You don't know that yet. You don't know how this is all going to finish. Take a second, sit back, enjoy the process, and when you have to do your official official scouting reports and you have to do your official evaluation, then if something changes, something changes. But what hasn't changed is KJ Costello is still not very good. He's a late-round quarterback. I think I said middling day three because he has some traits, and I'm sticking with that until he decides to change my mind here. I'll be the one to say it because I don't, I don't care if I get – killed for it i'm not the analyst of the group i'm the uh, the the host here i just think the fact is a lot of people that overreact to those games like that that are draft evaluators in the media i just think they don't understand how true of draft evaluations work i think that you see a lot of people overreact to single performances plummeting guys down uh draft boards because they're not performing well shooting players like costello up because they 
throw for 600 yards. But now we understand the context of that performance. Uh, there's a lot of we're talking about imposters. A lot of imposters and frauds out there that think that they know how to really evaluate prospects, but they don't truly understand the process that nothing is finalized until the end of the season. So we need to take a step back. We just need to hold our horses on some of these players. The last player that maybe we don't want to jump to major conclusions. It's easy to say a lot of these Florida State defensive players and players in general are not playing as good as they should. This Florida State just team in general has looked terrible. And we already mentioned how Jarrett Patterson looked very good against him. And it's now worth mentioning that Marvin Wilson has to be stocked down. He's going to get acknowledged in this performance in this game as not being uh, not having a good day. And he's starting to, to look a little shaky here and there. Ryan, why did you pick him as your stock down? Yeah, and, and you're right, Joe. The, the context there is correct because you could pick Corey Durden for this. You can kick Joshua Kando for this. You can pick Asante Samuel Jr., who did not have a great game for this segment particularly. I picked Marvin Wilson. Because I remember when me and Alex talked about him, and this is no slight to Alex in any way, Alex was a little bit higher on him than I was. I firmly think, and I still believe, that this is a first-round caliber defensive tackle. What I'm struggling with and what I did struggle with in the preseason, some people think that he is a better prospect than Derek Brown that came out last year. Some people think that this is a high-impact defensive tackle who can create a ton of havoc in the backfield. I don't think I see that. And the evaluation, I'll tell you, NFL teams, according to Blesto and National, have second to third round grades on Marvin Wilson. They are not as high as the media perceives him. And I will tell you, in every mock draft I've done, he's pretty regularly been in the top 15 picks because I think that he is a good football player. And I think that when it's all said and done, he'll be firmly in the first round conversation because I think he technically is very good. There's enough traits to deal with where I think that he is a consistent good football player in the mold of more than more not as much a gap penetrator more in the mold of a Eddie Goldman that plays for the Chicago Bears who is an excellent football player there is no doubt about it my concern here is yes the the defense is abysmal right now yes that that program in general is a dumpster fire but if you are a top five to ten player which some people believe that Marvin Wilson is you're still going to flash. You're still going to make a play or two here and there. He was invisible this game. Alex already talked about the running game for Notre Dame. They ran for 353 yards in this game. 353 yards. That is insane. And while Notre Dame does have great offensive line, while they have a couple of really nice young running backs, right, and Chris Tyree and Kyron Williams, very talented, absolutely. I am struggling with Marvin Wilson because if he is this – some people have him as a top three player. I was listening to Ben Solak talk about him and saying that he was the best defensive player in the 2021 NFL draft class. That's my struggle here. This is why it's stocked down for me because I don't think he's a top 10 caliber player. I think he's a first round player, but I think he's probably more in that 16 to 25 range. Like I think he's a very good football player. I just don't see dominant. I think good. I don't see dominant. I don't see top five player potentially. Yeah, you're 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 completely right. I I was a little higher on him coming into the season. We talked about that. That was a talking point for us. Uh, Ten to fifteen range is where I had him. You had him more, like you said, sixteen to twenty-five. Uh, both believe he's first-round prospect. I still believe he's a first-round prospect. However, he hasn't done anything this year. I think he has one sack on the season, and it was one against Jackson. For loss, and yeah, like seven tackles in four games. Like right, and he and is. His one sack was against Jacksonville State, which, you know, that they struggled in that game. They barely beat Jacksonville State. 
uh, you know, they were down early. But, you know, you had Georgia Tech week one. Okay, nothing happened. And now you, you've had two games since, Miami and Notre Dame, who are these top programs, big spotlight games. Look, the, the lights are on. Like, let's play. And he hasn't done anything. Like you said, he was invisible this week. He didn't do anything. And like you said, Marvin Wilson, if you're going to be this top 10 guy like some people bill you to be, you've got to at least flash and show me those highlight plays. Someone that does do that for me, who I know Ryan is is going to to like this, that Christian Barmore is likely the best defensive tackle in this class. And I had him very close. I think, did you have Barmore ranked ahead of him going into the season? No, I had Barmore number two, but I'm I was firmly on the that I think that Barmore could overtake him at some point. Yeah, and and so I and I have friends in you know Twitter draft friends that I you know I'll talk to, and I've I've said since the summer, and they'll back me up on this. I was like Barmore could push. I was like he just needs a little bit more snap percentage. You know, like he didn't play on an every down basis like Marvin Wilson did. I said if I can see his flashes a little bit more consistently, as far as just him being on the field more consistently, this guy can push for defensive tackle one and and he's looked he's looked good he's had the splash plays whereas marvin wilson hasn't i, I don't be surprised if barmore's interior defensive lineman number one when it's all said and done but marvin wilson i still believe is a first round prospect he just needs to show us those flash plays that he did last season yeah and i think barmore i, I think i compare him to marcel darius like i think he just has more of that gap penetration ability to affect the football game a little more than marvin wilson does and the other thing, and I just want to like throw this in real quick, because I know some people are going to fight back on me and say, like, oh, a defensive tackle isn't always quantified by stats. And you're 100% correct. That is 100% true. Sometimes they don't show up in the stat sheet. We'll see a week where Aaron Donald doesn't have a single pressure or a single sack, but, hey, he's getting double-teamed every play. He's letting guys run free. That's not what happened in this game. You know how I know? 353 yards rushing. It wasn't like linebackers were running free and making a bunch of tackles and not and shutting down this run game. Marvin Wilson was invisible. So we need to figure out why he was invisible. Is it literally everything is just crashing around him and he is the main intention for everyone, every single play? Or is he just not quite that caliber of player? That's what we need to figure out. So for now, it's not so much the stock down much for me. It's just I need to get my eyes a little closer on his film when we get access to the 2020 film to make sense and see why this is happening. And I believe Notre Dame's offensive line as a whole is currently graded as the best for pro football focus. That, that shouldn't be an excuse. If you're supposed to be, as some people have him, a top three player, that's obviously the, the, the hyperbole. If you're supposed to be that good, you should still – perform well you should still stand out and make plays somewhere however we're not seeing that impact from Marvin Wilson that's gonna be it for us here at the believe in NFL draft prospects podcast be sure to follow us uh, at NFL prospects pod you can follow me at Joe DeLeon Ryan at rise the letter n draft and then Alex at Alex Gilstrap lastly folks this upcoming Thursday we are having a we're hosting, three of us are hosting the HBCU Senior Spotlight hosted by NFL Draft Bible. That is October 15th at 8.30. If you're interested in being a part of that, it is going to be an online panel through a Zoom call. Reach out to Ryan. Is that the best way to, to get access, Ryan, is just to reach out to you on Twitter? Yep, either reach out to me, Rise and Draft, or you can email me at ryan at nfodraftbible.com and RSVP your spot for the 830 And show. really quickly, who are some of the, the, the key big names? Because we got a really talented group uh, uh, in this panel. 
Yeah, absolutely. We got we got David Moore, Grambling State offensive guard, who was mentioned by the Senior Bowl over the summer. A Quill Glass quarterback out of Alabama A and M. We got Quinterio Cole, who's a safety from Alcorn State, which I know some people like. And we got a couple more that are. You're just really going to enjoy these stories. I think Teron Mallard, who is a tight end out of Bethune Cookman, and I'm forgetting one. Who's the John last John guy? Martin? Who is that? John Main Martin. John Main. John Main Martin. How can I forget? That is Joe DeLeo's running back one on the board. <laughs> North Carolina A&T running back John Main Martin. So very talented, very, very good uh, panel that we're excited to dig into their past and just to them. Let us know how they got there and just some particulars about their playing career. And Martin's my favorite FCS running back right now. This, uh, If they were playing this season, but coming into the season, I absolutely loved seeing what he brought to NCAA and T's offense. If you're interested in hearing from these players, if you are maybe a member of the media or just love the NFL draft and you want to hear from some prospects that aren't getting talked about right now because they're not playing, this is a perfect opportunity. So reach out to Ryan if you are interested in attending. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Thursday, we have another wonderful interview coming your way. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.